Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You can now take KRBN Internet News Talk Radio with you on your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for Player.fm. That's Player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bo's Nose Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Boltovich. And now, here's Jay. And good afternoon, and it's another beautiful day in the Pacific Northwest, and you're listening to the Pozno Show, and I'm your host, Jay Pozovich, West Lane County Commissioner, and we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon, and it's another great day here. Sun's out right now. Of course, it's been cloudy most of the day. As soon as I have to come inside and get on the radio, here comes the sun. So <laughs> just one of those days. Um, and, you know, it's just been a, a really interesting week, uh, for me, uh, as a commissioner and, uh, it just, you know, I have, I'll, I'll touch on this early in the program and then I'm going to get away from it because I really don't want to dwell on this, but, um, EPD finally kind of identified, um, out to people what's been going on in the background, which is the commissioners have gotten repeated threats from somebody associated with the um, aerial spray initiative uh, ban, aerial spray ban initiative um, on our lives, uh, uh, threats of violence, basically. And that's kind of been going on for a good while now, almost two months, and uh, adds a little bit extra stress to the life adds a little bit extra stress to the spouse. And um, this Tuesday uh, in our board meeting, those folks chose to basically shut our meeting down after public comment. Uh, And if people wondered why we got up and left the room and why I left in such a hurry, um, that was one of the reasons. Uh, So just, uh, I can't say much more than that about it. but I would suggest folks just look at the Register Guard or KZI or one of their other favorite news outlets. They probably have the EPD's uh, press release up there. They're looking for information on anyone that might have any knowledge about that might help them figure out who's actually been making these threats. So um, just have to acknowledge that's out there. Uh, and it's one of those things about being a, a public official I haven't canceled any public appointments yet um, over this because I refuse to let it dictate my schedule in life. And um, I move onward and upward from there. And hopefully they'll they'll figure out who's behind this and um, and take appropriate actions. But if you're wondering why we still are doing metal detectors and having um, an armed security guard at board meetings, that's why. So um, moving on, though, there's been other things going on around around the county. And uh, one of those things is I I have the opportunity, you know, as a commissioner, I get asked to speak to various civic organizations that, you know, meet, you know, once a month or every other week or something. They're always looking for somebody to talk to them for 20 minutes about something. So I get invited to Lions Clubs and Rotaries and this uh, tomorrow evening at six o'clock, I'll be speaking to the Goldson Grange out on Highway 36 near the intersection of Poodle Creek. Um, and I, I get to talk to them a little bit about um, farming in Lane County, the interaction between farming and, and, and the county government, and just what we're doing to, to promote farming, to protect farmlands, and to um, 
you know, help grow our, our food economy here in Lane County, which benefits the farmers. And as, as I've been thinking about what I'm going to say to that group and looking into doing a little research and all, it's really pretty amazing how much interaction there is. And it's also pretty amazing how much agricultural um, means to, to Lane County. You know, there, there are over 2,600 farms in Lane County. That's a lot of farms. And then the sales of farm products in Lane County is over $142 million a year. And if you if you group ag and forestry in together, there's 9,000 direct jobs in the ag and forestry industry industries in uh, Lane County, and thousands, if not tens of thousands, indirect jobs created through those industries. It's a major driver in Lane County's economy because you, know, you think about 9,000 jobs. There's only 300 and uh, about 60. 65,000 people here with uh, next census is coming up. Uh, that's been in the news a little bit. Um, but 300 some 50,000, 375,000. You think about the adult population that's of working age, it's not retired, it's not too young to work. Um, that trims that down by quite a bit. 9,000 is a big piece of that. And if you start adding the indirect jobs, it's really a big piece of our economy and, and jobs here in Lane County. So ag is really important. And you know, what's really kind of cool is I just got uh, you know, getting back to a little bit of politics, I just got the endorsement of the Lane County Farm Bureau on Monday night. So I feel really pleased about that to be supported by local farmers as I go into talking about farming. Now, one of the things about the Grange is I, it's really not a political event, it's informational. I'm gonna be trying to convey a lot of information about, you know. Uh, how Lane County has helped uh, farms, but it's been pretty interesting. There's you know several ways and several things we interact with farms, and particularly one of the biggest places we interact with the farmers in our land use laws. And as you look at um, the the land use um, goals of the state of Oregon, preserving farmland is one of the highest you know goals. In, in that that and that's why it's called a resource land and and when you when we've adopted our comprehensive plan in lane county forestry and farmlands are considered resource lands and the residential commercial and industrial that are outside of, of urban growth boundaries or city limits they're considered exception lands they're there by exception because they were there before the land use laws were passed and are not the intent of that area outside of urban growth boundaries. So, you know, that there's that strong protection of agricultural lands in the state of Oregon and Lane County's comprehensive plan, land use plan reflects that in that non-ag and forestry lands are considered an exception. So that's, that's how, you know, the starting point for land use for agricultural, which sometimes creates issues because the idea is to try and protect these farms and, and particularly high value farm soils from being developed into other uses, particularly commercial use or residential use where they just, just won't exist as farms and may never exist as farms. They get paved over, you just lose the value of that soil. So it's, it's really, uh, an important aspect of the, the background of that land use law. So a lot of the rules for exclusive farm use zoning in Lane County are intended to prevent conversion of those ag lands into commercial or into residential use. So it's very difficult to get a dwelling approved on EFU land unless you earn a certain amount of money from that land and you're actually the, the one farming that land. And, and that's a, a pretty high test one of the interesting things was when um, marijuana was legalized because it's such a high value cash crop, it was excluded from the income testing for dwellings because they were worried that you could go out and get a 
fairly small piece of EFU land and qualify for a dwelling because it doesn't take a whole lot of marijuana to make the $80,000 a year of ag, ag income that you have to have to qualify for a dwelling. Whereas if you're growing other crops, it's pretty tough to do that, to get up to $80,000 a year of income. So the, the land use laws are set up to try and prevent that misuse and, and redevelopment of land which has led to some interesting aspects of conflict as farmers in in this newer economy and things change over time are trying to survive you know with you know higher labor rates that have been created over the years um the the lack of the next generation coming up to take over the family farm all those various issues that, that are challenges to farmers, you know, the high cost of fuel and fertilizer and everything else, the low margins on, on crops, the, the vagaries of the weather and whether you got a good crop. And if you've got a good crop, it seems like everybody else in the world had a good crop that year, so the prices fall, you know, and just all the things that happen when you're growing a commodity um, for those farmers, it, it makes it tough to survive. So farmers are looking to diversify and specialize, and maybe add value to their product and sell directly to the public. And one of the places that ag has done that very successfully is in the winery industry. And what you see was a lot of wineries that were starting to open tasting rooms. Well, of course, the Oregon Liquor Control Commission wants anyone that's offering alcohol for tasting to have food available so that folks don't end up blotto. <laughs> you know, by drinking all these tastes on an empty stomach. So, you know, the winery thought, oh, okay, well, we'll serve some food, but we're going to charge for that food. And as they started getting into more than just cheese and crackers, they ran afoul of a lot of the land use laws because serving prepared food on a farm is not selling a farm product, you know, like, like doing a wine tasting and selling the actual bottles of wine that were produced on that at that winery so they you know and probably the the poster child for that was king estates with their restaurant that they set up which was a pretty major what you would consider a commercial operation but as big as the winery is it kind of was at the same scale as say a smaller winery like um oh um pfeiffer that's pretty small and their, their size tasting room where they don't really offer, you know, they might offer cheese and olive plates or something like that and not necessarily prepared food. So they don't quite run into that problem. So King Estates ran into this issue. So Lane County in, you know, with the help of King Estates worked with a couple legislatures and got a bill written that carved out an exception for wineries to actually serve food and wineries of a certain size to actually have a restaurant. Um, and it was basically the King Estate Bill, as we called it back in 2011. And that's what actually opened the door to a lot of these wineries and tasting rooms. And now you can go lots of places and, uh, I, you know, Benton Lane and they serve pizza on certain nights. Um, you can go to Bennett Vineyards out there on Territorial Highway and they serve food there. So that's really um, what happened because of that bill that we got passed in 2011 that Lane County was very instrumental in lobbying for and, and successful in getting it through. And, and I want to thank, believe it or not, Senator Floyd Prozanski for his efforts in helping get that through. He was one of the people that was in, um, very uh, instrumental in, in ushering that through the Senate side, um, along with uh, Val Hoyle and um, some other folks on the on the uh, House side at the time, Paul Holby, uh, Representative Paul Holby also. So that's kind of a little bit of background. Now, fast forward to this year or last year, I guess some of it hangs over, and Agrarian Ales um, sees this opportunity to, you know, they've been growing hops um, and organic hops at that. They've been getting quite a name for them and, and their agrarian um, brewery uh, is making some great beers. 
and they decide they're going to open a tasting room out of their farm. And of course, same thing, Oregon Liquor Control Commission uh, says you need to serve food. So they started doing food and they, they kind of had some other issues in that they started doing it in a building that was not intended for public occupancy, um, heated it with some unsafe um, heating devices and got busted for some fire and life safety issues. But they were still in violation of, they weren't a farm stand. They were actually operating more like a restaurant, but they're not a winery, so they don't fit that exception. So they they got caught in that, you know, trying to add value and, and direct market their product, and they couldn't quite do it and, and uh, are sitting in this legal limbo right now waiting for a change in the state land use laws that will provide a door for them to get through in, in a special exception process. Um, and then what happened more recently is I found out that there's uh, a local farm stand that sells um, flour and other products like that from their the grains they grow on their property and from their associated mill. While they're okay selling the flour, what they can't sell is bread baked from that flour or cookies or brownies or anything else um, because that's considered prepared food and it runs them afoul of that law. Now, mind you, if they were growing strawberries on their property and they made strawberry preserves and sold them at their farm stand, that would be okay. That's how picky the law sort of gets the definition between um, processed farm uh, produce and prepared food. Baking bread is considered prepared food. So, and, and making strawberry preserves is processing food under the law right now. So, we need to kind of get in there and, and have a similar effort to 2011 during the 2019 legislative session. And Lane County is going to work together with these two um, farm entities and other folks from the Farm Bureau and, and uh, work to try and provide a little bit more flexibility and try and do it in a way that it kind of we won't have the next agrarian or Camas Country Bakery come along that that runs afoul of this because somebody else thinks of some new way of marketing their their local farm product with added value. Whether it might be some hazelnut farmer that's going to sell direct hazelnut um, butter products and might actually want to serve it on Camas Country's bread or something like that, and bake their bread at their their facility. Um, that you know. We don't want to have to go back and then start carving out one for hazelnut growers. And then when somebody else comes along and says, oh, I got this. Yeah, and we, you know, it's like we need to provide flexibility to let these farmers in their farm stands and in this burgeoning, what I would almost call agritourism, farm to table agritourism that's going on out there, um, have some ability and flexibility. And that's you know, just one way Lane County gets involved with, with the farmers is one in protecting their land from development but also we need to help them in a newer economy provide ways to develop income through direct sales and that's really um, hopefully where we'll be uh, after the 2019 session a little bit of help from a few key uh, legislators up there to help draft some legislation and to sign on as sponsors and We'll get it through. It doesn't hurt if you, the listeners of the Bose Nose Show, give them a call and, and tell them you want to have that flexibility so agrarian ales can reopen their tasting room and so the Camas Country Bakery can become legal and, and know that they can't be shut down at, at a moment's notice if somebody complains. But speaking of calling, I think I forgot to give out our phone number at the top of the show, which is 646-721-9887. Just press one and let's Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know you want to get in on the conversation. Again, that's 646-721-9887. And just press one, lets us know you want to get in on the air because I want to talk about what you want to talk about. Today, I've kind of got ag on the mind and farming and food, and I've got some more to talk about with that. 
but you might have something completely different you want to talk about, give me a call. Again, 646-721-9887. Don't forget to press 1. Let's us know you want to talk instead of just listen. Talk a little bit about land use and those aspects of, of what we're doing in Lane County. The other thing we do is we also even provide some, some video lottery um, economic development money to some of these burgeoning um, farm to table industries. In fact, Canvas Country Mill got nearly $100,000 in that video lottery money to purchase their first milling equipment. And when they were first starting out, way back in 2010 and 11, about that time, in fact, I, one of the first things I got to do almost as a new county commissioner, I think in the summer of 2011, was to go to their grand opening of their facility. And in fact, they outgrew that facility in, up there in the Prairie Road neighborhood, and they've moved to West Eugene now. So they moved out of my district and into Pat Farr's district. And they actually now have a facility up near um, Everett, I think, Washington. So they're, they're really um, a growing concern, so to speak. But that's one of those things where they saw this issue after the recession, the, the um, 2008 recession, particularly that was real estate involved, and what that did to the grass seed farmers of the Willamette Valley, where without that burgeoning um, single family home being developed all over the country, there wasn't a real heavy market for grass seed at that time. So the grass seed market kind of fell apart. So uh, Tom Hunton and his family saw that and said, you know what, maybe there's other grains other than grass seed, because grass seed's the grain. Farmers could be growing here in the Willamette Valley and be selling and making you know, a living off of. The only problem was is there wasn't any sort of end user for that grain here. So he, he developed Camas Country Mill and specialized in some grains that grow well here in the Willamette Valley versus trying to compete with Nebraska for wheat is not really what we want to be doing, or even Eastern Oregon for, for wheat. Um, we're, they're looking at some, you know, red, hard red wheat and some very specialty grains is what they're, they're having grown here. And that's what they're milling. And that specialty flowers that come with that. And particularly, you know, doing some of them that are organic and everything. It's actually gotten to be such a high-end product. They're going to, you know, being sold in some of the high-end stores uh, like Whole Foods and, and uh, uh, Market of Choice. You know, that's where you'll see some of their flour. So that's just one little piece where we helped out Camas Country Mill, which was, was about developing an end market for farmers. In addition, um, we helped out in about 2013, it wasn't a real big grant, only $60,000, but we bought equipment to expand a growing little organic food uh, producer here in the Elmira area called Sweet Creek Foods. And they were doing, you know, preserves and pickles and stuff like that, particularly as an organic product. And, um, you know, and that help them employ about six people. You know, so those are so sort of the indirect jobs to ag. You know, Camas Country Mill, when we first gave them that that 100,000, they were gonna employ eight people. I think they're well beyond eight people now. I don't know where Sweet Creek Foods is with their, with their total employee count, but just that little expansion we helped them with, helped them hire an additional six people. And um, of course that's, they're, they're buying from the local organic farmers, and that provides that end user for that um, farm product. But in general, you know, we've been really trying to promote food and the food industry here in Lane County. We have some various sectors we've been trying to target with our economic development money. And uh, food is definitely one of those sectors. In fact, there's a, a countywide coordinator for the food industry sector now that was hired originally with some um, economic development money and is being funded with uh, various uh, consortium of, of funds. Um, but and that but as we look at some of what we've done with that video lottery money, 
I can go down some of the companies that you might recognize. Glory Bee Foods, Hummingbird, Dinkasi, Oakshire Brewing. We, we, if you guys are familiar with Sprout over there in, in Springfield, we actually gave money to Nedco uh, that helped them buy equipment for their for that commercial kitchen, which has helped start multiple small food companies here in the local area. That's that's kind of a the uh, uh, entrepreneur's uh, starting place. If you're thinking about doing a food company, that's a great way to get started. Is working through Nedco and Sprout. So we helped get that going. Um, we actually helped Cosmos Creations um, up there in Junction City, and uh, right now we're involved in helping uh, with grain millers and that the new uh, uh, granola bar uh, factory up there in Junction City. So all this, these places where we're, you know, assisting and trying to work things out, and, and just in in the whole industry, it's just pretty amazing, and and we've got some great infrastructure for the food industry here in Lane County. It's a big part of our economy. So that, and that, that's not, in that 9,000 jobs I was talking about, those 9,000 jobs are in you know, direct jobs on the farm, out in the forest, in the mills, so to speak. It's not, not some of these jobs in some of these uh, production facilities necessarily. So uh, it, it's uh, really a, you know, a big piece of Lane County's economy is tied to food, believe it or not. And, and you know, don't get me started on the restaurant side and how much how much of our economy is also just in the restaurant tourism side that comes with that. You know, and part of having that strong ag and food industry it does it does really assist our tourism industry, which is a huge piece of Lane, Con Lane County's economy. So those are just a you know a few things that that happen around county government that deals with ag and promoting that industry. You know, we have, um, you know, one of the things that, it, that's kind of interesting is the Lane County Historical Museum, um, which some people may not be too familiar with or and have had a chance to go to. I, I encourage everyone to try and get there once in a while. But they've had multiple exhibits that highlight Lane County ag. And the history of agriculture here in Lane County. Um, I think they had an exhibit for a while about the, the town of Cresswell when it was basically um, a fruit, you know, the fruit growing capital of the Willamette Valley and uh, known for that. And just some of the, the food industry that's been in and out of um, Lane County. And that's really um, interesting because. Lane County funds the historic museum. You know, one of the things people don't understand, probably in the background, is we collect transient room taxes on behalf of the uh, the hotel industry and all that that come into Lane County. We distribute that back out. There's a portion of it set aside for promoting museums because that's part of promoting tourism, and the majority of that that percentage that goes to museums goes to the Lane County Historic Museum. We're one of the major funders of that. So as you as you get there and see some exhibit that's on forestry or farming and the history of Lane County, um, that's you know actually tourism dollars that are funding those exhibits. So uh, it's not really coming straight from, it's not competing with the Sheriff's Office and it's not competing uh, with any other place in our budget, it's it's uh, coming out of those tourism dollars that are being collected from folks that are staying in hotels and bed and breakfasts and Airbnb and whatever else that are from out of the area, and uh, they're actually supporting those museum activities. So, a very roundabout way we support AG is just supporting the county museum that keeps track of the history of ag here, which is kind of important always to remember our history. And, it, and it's kind of interesting because Lane County really grew up on ag and, and forestry. Those were the biggest industries for the longest time in this area. Some of the industries that we focus on now with our, our economic development, we do have several other sectors that we, we're after, like advanced 
manufacturing, uh, the tech industry sector, which we now have um, a tech industry uh, person, Matt Sayer, that, that is promoting that. Um, and we're promoting the Silicon Shire work we've done with our economic development money to finish up the middle mile in broadband. You know, that's new. That's a new economy to Lane County. Even how dominant the University of Oregon is to Lane County's economy is a relatively modern era um, piece of our economy. You know, really, we were ag and forest for the longest time and a little bit of fisheries, too. You know, there was a salmon cannery in Florence at one point. So um, it's, I'm, I'm really proud to have the Lane County Farm Bureau endorsement. You know, one of the things, you know, people may not know about me is my actual degree in engineering is in agricultural engineering, not, not civil engineering. I ended up working as a civil engineer, mostly because at the time I graduated from school, the ag industry was in deep, deep trouble in 1981. Uh, Folks that are as old as I am probably remember Willie Nelson and Farm Aid concerts. Um, and uh, they, they were, the farmers were in trouble in 1981. And any company that was selling equipment to farmers was, were, was in trouble. It was very difficult to find a job in my field and ended up working as a civil engineer out of college. And then that's just kind of where I stayed was in the civil engineering field. My degree is actually and my heart have always been in farming in some ways. I always kind of pictured myself as eventually purchasing a farm and becoming a, a farmer at one point, um, but never quite got there. The most I got is about an acre and a half here. I do grow some great tomatoes in the summertime and some cucumbers and you know, a few of my own, own products here. And I've got a small orchard in my backyard where I've got apple trees and cherry trees and even have a nectarine tree that produced last year. So. Um, I dabble in it, but I can't say I'm a farmer because, boy, I tell you, farmers work. They work hard. It, you know, and going to the Lane County Farm Bureau meeting the other day, uh, there was a couple of them there. You could just tell were dog tired because they'd been out since before sunup and whatever. One one of the gentlemen there was sunburned because it just happened to be a sunny day that day, and you could tell he'd just been out in the field all day and and got a little too much sun and. Uh, those guys are some hardworking folks and they're working on a small margin and, and whatever the county can do to support ag and Lane county uh, i'm there all the way so that was a, a rather hey, random yeah go ahead robin in there you, you forgot one other thing on your list about uh, your property what's and that your livestock oh yeah i do have some livestock here that i actually uh, and, and I'm not counting my four poodles as livestock or my cat. Um, <laughs> I actually have a flock of ducks that I that I keep for their eggs. And also the fact that ducks eat slugs and snails. And they help me grow my tomatoes because I don't have slugs and snails in my garden. <laughs> and they don't scratch up your garden as much as chickens. So I, I kind of, I, I'm partial to having duck eggs versus chicken eggs. I like the taste of duck eggs too. They're great for baking, much more dense and all that as far as the uh, consistency of the egg white and the egg yolk. Um, and so that when you bake with it, you get a much moister and, and much more structured baked good out of it. So yeah, I, I yeah, like I said, I, I'm a bit of a farmer at heart. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite there, but but almost there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the ducks are fun, and, and it's surprising how much personality a duck has. Well, and, that being a poodle farmer too, you know. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's you know, and the poodles learn very fast to leave the ducks alone. Even the cat doesn't mess with the ducks, but um, the ducks are curious little things. If I'm in there weeding the garden. Eventually, they'll be gathered around, giving me the eye one one at a time because they kind of turn their head from side to side, looking at you, <laughs> waiting for me to find a worm and throw it to them. <laughs> and so they're they're pretty tame and they're pretty fun. And it's kind of like um, you know they talk about aquariums make people relax because of the, the random movement of the fish in the aquarium. Watching a flock of ducks or a flock of chickens in your yard is about the same thing that kind of random movement. It's very, 
Zen. <laughs> so I can recommend having ducks to anybody if, if you know if you've got a little bit of a yard and and um, you gotta gotta have water for them. That's the big thing. Is they gotta have some you know, something they can bathe in, uh, a pond of some kind, or or you know a trough or something, which has to be changed constantly because they're they will dirty the water up something fierce, and uh, that that's the big thing. They they take take a fair amount of water. So if you don't have the water for them, uh, don't get ducks. <laughs> And that's today's Farming Minute for this Wednesday on the Bo's Nose Show. But if you have any questions about ducks or anything else you want to talk about on the Bo's Nose Show, give me a call, 646-721-9887. We'll have a conversation. Just press 1 and let, let's Robin know you want to get in on the conversation. Again, 646-721-9887. And just press 1. That gets in get you in here and we'll have a conversation. We can talk about ducks, we can talk about poodles, we can talk about farming, we can talk about the granges and just, you know, what's interesting and one of the reasons why I agreed to speak at the Grange was, you know, hopefully so they draw some people in there to find out about the Grange because they're gonna have a meeting afterwards at seven o'clock that people are welcome to stay for. Is granges are having trouble surviving now. As as people move into town and, and you know, granges were part of the ag community and are very strong in Oregon. And what's interesting is they're also very strong in Delaware, where my wife's family is from, and to the point where her dad was the master of the Delaware State Grange uh, for a while. And and what's interesting is the master of the Delaware State Grange it automatically sits as a trustee to the University of Delaware because University of Delaware was a land-grant ag college originally, so that, that was set up in their original um, the land-grant uh, activities that set up the university. So as he was state master of the Grange, he became a trustee to the um, University of Delaware at the same time that David McCullough was a trustee. So David McCullough that you know, wrote 1776 and John Adams and a few other books you might be familiar with. Um, and I was fortunate enough at that time, he just was coming out with 1776, that Elizabeth's dad gave me a signed copy of that book. So um, just random thought blew in my mind. <laughs> Sorry, got off track. We were talking about granges and how they're having trouble surviving. It's partly just the demographics one farm, you know, a lot of automation in farms has led to a depopulation of rural communities in some ways, and the aging of the farm community. You know, one of the concerns of um, in America is just how old the average age of farmers has become, and how important it is to get the next generation into farming. And you know, this is kind of no different than as we see some of our medical professions starting to age out and, and are we replacing them fast enough with the growing population uh we see it now right right now with our our uh law enforcement um uh, officers that they're starting to age out we've got this silver wave coming and it's coming in the farm population too but that impacts membership at these granges so i'm hoping that my appearance out there at the Goldson Grange will be a good thing for that Grange and Granges in general and help them build their membership because they're kind of an important piece of rural Oregon. And, you, and there, you'll see the Grange Hall has kind of become the gathering place for communities, whether it's the Lorraine Grange down in Lorraine or it's, you know, the Long Tom Grange out there that's famous for uh, the Daffodil Festival and a certain calendar they put out a few years back. Um, you know, granges are important and an important piece of our community and fabric of our community here in Oregon and Lane County. And I really hope that I can help promote the Grange a little bit and uh, help them out tomorrow night and uh, also maybe provide them with a little bit of insight as to you know what Lane County does uh, to help promote agriculture and the food industry and uh, answer some questions around that and anything else that comes up tomorrow night because I think they're gonna you know I'll talk for a little while and then it'll be open to questions from the audience so 
and it's not a political event. This is just me speaking as a commissioner to the Grange because the Grange, um, I want to respect them. They don't really um, do politics. So if you do decide to come out uh, to Goldson Grange tomorrow night, six o'clock, you might want to come a little bit early. Uh, they're doing a potluck community dinner. So if you got your favorite dish you want to bring, but I don't think it's required, uh, the meeting's free, it's open to the public, and then they'll start their regular Grange meeting at seven if you want to stay and find out a little bit more about what, what Granges are all about. So that's tomorrow night, Thursday, six o'clock, Goldson Grange. It's on Highway 36, just a little bit to the east of the intersection of Poodle Creek Road. Boy, yeah, you know, and I have to say, one of the things that sold Elizabeth and I on moving here was we were we were looking to move here maybe, and we took a trip from Eugene out to the coast, and we drove past Poodle Creek Road, and we said, that's it. They know we're supposed to live here. There's a Poodle Creek. <laughs> um, sorry, I, I, I digress again. Um, so that's a lot about ag. And I want to talk about what you want to talk about. So if you're listening out there on the Bose No Show, you got a question, you got a topic you want to find out a little bit more about, or if you've got something you want to tell me, you think I ought to know about, 646-721-9887. We can talk about whatever you want to talk about um, here on the Bose No Show. Something else that came up at the board meeting this week, besides having our meeting shut down by uh, activists and special interest groups, uh, was, you know, did probably flew under most people's radars, but we actually supported um, a grant that's being applied for to do some planning work to finish up the Oregon Coast Trail. You know, as I was talking about agritourism and tourism and how important that is to our economy, it's really important to the coastal economy right now as they've lost a lot of timber jobs, all those closed mills down there between Mapleton and Florence along 126. And those of you that actually travel Highway 36 know there's a few more that aren't up to speed up, up to the other side of Mapleton. Um, that economy is really taking a hit down there and uh, really is living on tourism for the most part. And the Oregon Coast Trail is a trail that goes from California to Washington that basically follows the coastline. The only problem is, is only parts of it are complete. It, there's gaps in it all along the, the um, Oregon coast. And those gaps are filled by having people um, detour and use Highway 101. Now, most of you that have ever driven the coast realize that Highway 101 is probably not the most fun pedestrian experience for folks that want to hike from California to Washington. Um, so the idea of an effort came about through um, the Oregon Coastal Zone Management Association and the Association of Oregon Counties. Again, this is another one of those things that's a collaborative effort of many organizations was and and through a piece of legislation that they pushed through uh, in the last session was to close the gaps and to look into closing those gaps and phase one of that uh, work has started and this grant would would fund phase two which would be some serious planning of some of these uh, missing pieces and several of those missing pieces are in lane county so uh, if we could finish that trail it would be one of those trails that would be known nationally. I mean, we all know how beautiful the Oregon coast is. Can you imagine being able to walk from California to Oregon if you didn't, without having to use Highway 101 as part of that? You know, as a as a hiker and a camper uh, from my teenage years, that did a good piece of the Appalachian Trail. I did the the whole length of the. Uh, Chesapeake and Ohio Canal uh, Trail, what they call a CNO Canal, that runs parallel to the Potomac River. You know, I always enjoyed that that you know backpacking and, and camping along the way, especially a nice, a good trail system. The Oregon Coast Trail would just be spectacular to be able to hike along some of those uh, 
rugged cliffs and on in, along some of those sandy beaches, not have to maybe use Highway 101 for pieces of that. What a draw that would be and just another thing to promote for uh, our tourism economy. So we actually um, approved a motion on Tuesday for me to sign um, the forms that make us um, part of that uh, support for that grant from the federal land access program, uh, better off known as a FLAP grant, <laughs> which we've actually used before and, and successfully before uh, in Lane County. It's actually what helped rebuild the rock wall there um, close to the uh, sea lion caves, an historic rock wall uh, and kept it in the same format um, that was as it was done by the uh, the um, CCC in the, in the uh, 30s. Uh, so yeah, it's really uh, hopefully hopeful that this is will fit that grant program really, really well and uh, we'll be able to move move on with trying to finish those pieces as the Oregon Beach bill turned 50. That's how we, you know, we justified some of the grant. And that's just, you know, one of those small things you get to do as commissioners support some of these collaborative efforts of the Oregon Coastal Zone Management Association, which is every county, municipality, and port, and some of the special districts and all up and down the coast of Oregon from uh, the, the mouth of the Columbia all the way down to um, the California border. That group uh, represents all those communities of, of, and uh, governmental entities, including some of the tribes. And uh, it's just going to be a really um, neat collaboration if we can manage to get that thing done. So happy to, happy to bring that to the board for their approval and get their approval so I could sign as chair that grant application. So we've got about 13, 12 minutes left here in the Bo's No Show. Why don't you give us a call at 646-721-9887 and uh, get in on the conversation here. We'll talk about what you want to talk about. If we don't get talking about what you want to talk about, I may start talking about other things, like some of the other things we've used um, our video lottery funds for over the years. Uh, as I look at my list, and it reminds me of some of the things we did, you know, some of these things may seem relatively minor, but at the time we did them, back in 2013, when our, our uh, unemployment rate was hovering around 7%, they were pretty meaningful to keep some of these jobs in Lane County. There's a company called Appel that was in Springfield and Appel does aluminum extrusion and uh, builds, you know, for very specialized pieces of manufacturing. You know, they're one of these parts makers that ends up in things you might recognize uh, later on as a consumer. They outgrew their facility in Springfield and we're looking to relocate and they were looking at going to Arizona and Arizona was offering them some pretty good incentives to go there and we managed to work with uh, a developer Steve Lee who took over a defunct uh, motorhome manufacturing facility up there in Coburg and uh, with some help from Lane County in the form of economic development money of hundred thousand dollars we paid for bringing the three-phase 480 um, volt power to their site that they needed for their aluminum welding equipment. Uh, that's what that paid for. Because then, if if for some reason they were closed down and leave, the site would still have that elect that heavy-duty electrical service that wasn't there before. And um, they stayed in Lane County, and that was 85 jobs and high paying jobs that stayed in Lane County at that time. So that's just, you know, one of the pieces we use that economic development video lottery money for. And then, you know, just a, another little um, piece that we've used that for 
speaking of, of another job retention where we were keeping a Lane County company in Lane County with Pacific Headwear, where we helped um, them fund some of their equipment expansion and relocation also up to Coburg to a larger facility. Uh, but that was 125 jobs that stayed in Lane County. Uh, Rears Manufacturing, which is they make um, ag equipment. And uh, they also, um, we paid to do some enhanced air electric service and they actually moved up to Coburg and expanded there. So there's quite a bit of um, work we've done with manufacturers to, to, you know, those high paying advanced manufacturing jobs. That was one of the sectors I talked about that we're concentrating on. Traded sector, as we like to talk about. And by traded sector, I don't mean stock traded. I mean, it's goods that are manufactured and then traded outside of our community and, and, and could be traded internationally. Don't necessarily have to be when we support it, but it has potential to be. So when we start, you know, talking about the ag industry, that's considered a traded sector. Hazel, you know, saw in the paper today, hazelnuts can be sold overseas. Uh, that's the the work that Appel's doing with some of their aluminum extrusion. Those parts can be sold overseas, um, and, and are definitely not just sold here in Lane County. So they're bringing wealth into the county. Uh, I'd like to think that, you know, our support of Oakshire Brewing is bringing wealth into Lane County because they're definitely selling their beer outside of Lane County. And Ninkasi is probably the greatest example of, of a food manufacturer that blossomed here in Lane County and is now national in sales and uh, probably hard to almost describe them as a microbrewery anymore. Uh, so. Uh, just a few things we've been doing with our, our money. One of the things that probably um, doesn't quite fit the traded sector, but definitely meant a lot of jobs at a time when jobs were scarce, was the support we gave the first call resolution out in Benita. And of course, you know, Benita, another rural community that was suffering greatly after the 2008 recession, we brought 300 jobs into Benita in 2013. And first call is not your typical call center. They start their wages out at the time. It was a couple dollars above minimum wage. And if you're there for more than six months, they bring in medical um, and health insurance benefits, you know, and, and full benefits. So really, really a unique uh, employer. And we helped, that was another case where we helped uh, bring fiber into a community. So even if first call had left after a while um, and wasn't successful, that fiber infrastructure that we paid for with the video lottery money would have still been out in Benita and maybe some other business could have taken advantage of that. So that's really, um, really what we're about um, it, with that video lottery money. Quite often we try and do things that um, purchase equipment, capital goods, not necessarily just hand the business some money. Um, it's really what we're looking to do is stuff that's going to stay right here in Lane County. Now, can I jump in there for a second? Sure, Robin. Okay. I have a rant. Okay. <laughs> uh, I love it when you have a rant. This is kind of, okay. are you going to channel Bill London for a minute? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was thinking about maybe we should do a new a new segment on the program called the Drunken Architect of Eugene. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and like what we used to do on Oregon Update, you know, we'd give the What the Heck Are They Thinking Award to uh, various agencies and whatever for coming up with the stupidest ideas. Well, my rant today is I went down Franklin Boulevard for the first time since they uh, – going from Eugene to Springfield since they've kind of laughingly remodeled it. And I heard that there was a uh, roundabout in there, but I'll be darned if I was expecting a figure eight. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, actually, it's a pair of roundabouts and some teardrop sort of shaped things and and diversions around those teardrops. Oh, my God. I, I can't quite figure it out. I haven't been, at least I've only been down there when they've been constructing it. So I haven't, I've been, they've had traffic going all over the place in different pieces of that. But when that gets, at least from what I could see from where the curbs have been laid out and all that, uh -huh. Wow, that's that's you know like somebody dropped some spaghetti on the drawings, uh, yeah. And they started constructing from the uh, from the uh, stained drawing or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, that that one is yeah, yeah. The 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 drunken uh, road engineer or something. Yeah, I, I, that does that kind of does get the drunken architect between that and Sixth Avenue and the and the lanes that that disappear and and. Uh, shift one way and then shift back the other and everything um i, I would i would that's right up there yeah but, speaking uh, of sixth street if you don't hit the the proper lane when you first get to it um whether you're on the right side or the left side your lane's going to end yep yeah you got to be right in the correct lane or, or you're, you're going to be merging somewhere and the merges aren't well marked they just kind of all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, my lane's done, or oh my gosh, my lane's a, a, a turn-only lane, and no one's going to let me out of it. <laughs> exactly. Maybe it's a ploy to get more people into, into McDonald's. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, down there before Garfield. Uh, yeah. yeah, but when I saw that, and again doing the figure eight, and then seeing the little off-ramp type things they got, and just like, what the heck are you guys thinking? Was it? Did they have it fully open to traffic when you went through, or was it still partially closed up? It was kind of open. I mean, there was still a lot of construction going through there. Yeah. Um, I haven't figured out where they're going to send the EMX through or the bus or whatever. Then, I'm, then of course you got uh, some random pedestrian crossings that you got to watch for. Um, which, like, if, if people are familiar at all with Eugene Springfield and Hayden Bridge, or Harlow Road, excuse me, um, over there at um, yeah, as my mind goes south for the winter, um, Pioneer Pacific. Yeah, and it used to be Third and Fourth Street. A lot easier to remember. Anyways, trying to navigate that roundabout, and then they figured, oh, we need to put a pedestrian crosswalk in there. Oops. And yeah. I, and, I, and I notice they still have the camera up there to record all the accidents that happen in that little uh, circle. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't get it. I don't either. Love affair with the roundabout. They they're not they're only practical if you use the ones like they use in England. So they're large. Not well, in, in Washington DC is the same way. They're large circles. Uh-huh. You know, and, and that gives you enough time between each intersection to switch lanes and everything else and, and make your movements. Um, yeah, but, but you know, there's a reason behind the why it's that way in D.C. is because everybody's walking in circles, anyways. Yeah. Well, Lafont decided to design it that way. Uh, you know, and that that's you know what what happens when you let a Frenchman design your city. Um. <laughs> but the the other thing, speaking as a, a former tr former truck driver, um, when I was over the road, we actually came off an off ramp. And right into two roundabouts. Now I have a 53-foot rig tractor trailer, and that was fun enough as it is, you know. And you hope that there's nobody beside you. But try it with a set of doubles. Wow. Yeah. And then they come up with these crazy designs. I mean, even Sixth Street with that little wobbly thing, you know, you got to watch out because the uh, you know truck may be, you know, sliding over a little bit because he's longer than the little road. And there is a lot of truck traffic on that road. That's part of the state highway. Yeah, well, and there's a lot of trucking terminals and and uh, freight movement along that roadway. And and uh, you know, I see a lot of trucks trying to merge on that road because they come off of the Washington Jefferson Bridge there in one of the right-hand lanes, and they need to get over to the left side of the road to go up Garfield or or at least be in the left lane so yeah the drunken architects of eugene have, have been at it there we go 
we I hear music in the background, which means we must be pretty close to the close of another Bo's Nose show. And I appreciate everybody listening. Hope you might have learned something about ag today in, in Lane County and uh, how important agriculture is to Lane County. Hope to hear from you next time we're on the Bo's Nose show. Might have to move next week's show around a bit because there's some conflicting meetings. So keep an eye on Facebook and don't forget to like us on Facebook at KRBN Internet News Talk Radio page. Thank you for listening and hope you have a great week. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.